Hello, everyone, and welcome to CISN Radio. Uh, Blake Walker here with you this afternoon, or whenever you hear this uh, podcast here on the CISN Radio. Uh, we got Chris Cuellar here with us here this afternoon in the studio. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming. Uh, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for pronouncing my last name correctly. <laughs> We're off to a great start. Um, so, Chris, you're the communications director at uh, IHSAA. Kind of give me an idea of what does that entail? That's a pretty broad you know, job title. It is a broad title. Um, I, it's a little bit sports information, a little bit technology, a little bit social media. Uh, I manage our website. Uh, I put together programs and every publication that comes out of our place. Um, branding, messaging, uh, archives, uh, even now the transition from uh, what is the Hall of Pride over to Achieve for us. Um, uh media relations at state tournaments, whether that's credentialing or taking up seats. I'm a former sports writer and I have kind of just tried to turn those skills into whatever this position can be. So um, it changes by the day, but it's a lot of fun. So if people see you, it's usually at state tournaments, would you say you're mostly with the credential stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would think that most people probably interact with me that way. I'm okay being mostly behind the scenes the rest of the time, uh, or if uh, them not knowing that uh, I'm the person behind all of uh, maybe what the, the words and pictures and videos that are coming out from our office. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. So continuing on IHSAA. So you started there four years ago? Oh, yeah, 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so almost, almost five years this fall. So, yeah, been a while. So you guys call yourselves the boys in Boone. That's, that's that is a self – that is, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so so I, we kind of inherited that. I think mm-hmm. that was a longstanding title, mm-hmm. and now I just wear it proudly. Uh, so you guys are up in Boone. Are you still the youngest up there? Uh, I am still the youngest director. Yes. So yeah. we have a couple of support staff members that are a little younger than I am. So I got them there. Did you think, is that an advantage at all for you? You know, just, I mean, you're not that young, but at the same time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, not fresh out of I high am, school. I am 33. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> not fresh out of high school, but you know, just a different perspective on some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that we've had maybe more turnover in the last five years than we probably had in the previous 15 or 20. And I would say that it has been mostly to our advantage because we're bringing in a new set of eyes, some outside ideas, maybe even some people for we, our most recent hire was an AD at a very large high school. So we have people who know what it's like to be, you know, uh, in the action. We know what, uh, professionals think out in the field and in you know communications my world um, I I try to stay plugged into that um, even though I've left reporting and so I do think that it's been an advantage having not just maybe younger eyes but new sets of eyes for sure kind of go back to where you came from so you're from Parkview correct uh, Iowa what what high school is that what high school so it's North Scott so technically Parkview is an unincorporated town but it is in a large district so we were just a few minutes outside of Davenport yeah uh, and then you went to Iowa State, and uh, you also did reporting, mm-hmm. like you said, from the Des Moines Register. Uh, you know, what was that like? You reported from 2011 to up until your time at Yeah, yeah, and I think even I reported throughout college for radio, TV, and yep. newspaper, and so I'm a little detached from, like, fandom, but I still love activities and sports and stories. Um, so I root for people. Uh, it's still I still watch sports uh, – nonstop in my personal life, as my wife uh, can probably sadly attest. Um, But uh, 
it was a great learning experience. It was a great time to be in the industry because you had to adapt nonstop, but it was not a great time to be in the industry because you were fighting for your job at every turn. So not that that's changed much in journalism, but um, it was definitely a challenge and you kind of had to learn as you went. And I think that's really prepared me well for this current job, um, which just kind of unleashed me to do more things and I, I'm still able to adapt and willing to adapt. And that, that's been useful, let me tell you. So in 2015, when you won the best sports feature story uh, for the Look Register, at you with your research, I, Blake. I, I oh, man, I, wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was about, you said it was the examination of culture in youth sports. Yes. You know, what, what led you to that? Like, what, what made you want to write about that? And why do you think it came across so well? Great question. Um, and seven years down the road, that, that's, a, that's a tough one to answer. I liked to write, when it came to feature stories, profiles, or enterprise pieces, I liked to find like the definitive story. You know, like when you read a profile on ESPN that you're like, wow, I know about this person now. And maybe somebody wrote it before, but it, and it, before it made its way to ESPN. But a lot of times when you're writing for a level like the Des Moines Register, people don't know those stories and they don't know about those individuals or those topics in a thorough way. And I felt like those were missing. So those were stories that I gravitated to. I just couldn't find the like dedicated piece that someone that could use as a touchstone on youth sports. Everybody has opinions on it. Everybody thinks they're an expert on the topic. Uh, my kid does this and I've been around it. I've been a coach. I run a youth soccer club and this is what I know. But they're in every town across the entire state. And so I just tried to bottle all of that up into like five or six stories. Um, I can tell you there were some days that summer that I think I was lying flat on my back in my apartment pulling my hair out, <laughs> just not sure what I was going to do with all the interviews and all the information I had. But um, yeah, I, I just think that so many of us, whether we're, we're failed athletes like myself or you know, next level athletes, um, like probably some folks listening and, and, you know, even the menace players that I know CIA, yeah, say ISN yeah. covers, um, we've interacted or, and have touch points with youth sports, but maybe we have our own opinions about it. And I think maybe per shedding a wider perspective on the money in that, the pressure in that, the parenting in that and how that's exploded. I, I think that was important. And I think, you know, not, not to, put a pressure on anybody else going forward, but I think updates on those kinds of stories are really important and newspapers are a great way to give a long form voice to that. So that was a long answer, but it was, it was a really tough topic and they were long stories. So <laughs> You're one of the rare few that I don't know many people that went to Iowa state and then also went to Iowa. Yeah. You went, thank you. Yes. You went back to Iowa yes. in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It? For my master's. Yeah. So what was that like? You know, you had already gone through that career here with the register. You had started at the association. Yes. Then he said, let's go back to school. So I wanted to take a next step forward and I, I still, I've kind of, I wasn't that great of a student in undergrad. We'll say I had a really good time though. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I felt like I was more mature and ready to take on education again. And I've always enjoyed learning and reading and I wanted to stay up on top of my game. And, um, I guess if I just hung out at the athletic association for the next 20 years and didn't learn anything and just yeah. kept running it back, that'd be pretty boring. Uh, so getting my master's in strategic communication kind of allowed me to, you know, explore those next steps, see what else is out there in the field. And, uh, yeah, great experience, except for the fact that, so I started, uh, in, late 2019 yep. and then COVID hit. I so knew that was coming. Yes. Yeah. 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 I so that time period. Yeah. So not just work time, but in school time, everything was remote all the, uh, around the clock. So yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge, took a little bit of maybe some fun out of it where I could have gone to, you know, some more in-person classes and sessions, but it was still, still a good experience. You love the sports side, but you're also, are you still a student mentor? Yeah, I still do that. Yeah. So um, tell me about that. 
So I work with YSS, we're based out of Ames, and they serve a lot of uh, Story County. Um, so I, when I started at the Athletic Association, I didn't have a connection to Boone. I don't live in Boone. Um, I had not been in the community before, but I felt like it was important, uh, not just for my position, but to get involved in the community. And so I just, they reached out to me and they were looking for mentors and they're really looking for guys and they're still looking for guys. So if you're in central Iowa and can work with ISS, it'd be a great program to get involved with. But um, I matched up with one student uh, he, as a fifth grader, and then I matched up with another student the next year and I'm still with him. So this is going to actually be year five with the same wow. kid. So I've seen him go from into fifth grade to now entering high school. Wow. Um, and it, it's been a very cool process. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I don't, I, I don't know how much he's picked up from me, hopefully quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, if anybody can get into mentoring, it's a, a pretty – uh, low-risk way, and I can't coach or officiate because of my position at the Athletic Association. This is a way to still get into schools, work with a younger person or younger people, and uh, yeah, hopefully positively impact them. It's a great transition because you also work with s interns throughout the association. Yes. Um, is that just summer, spring? Kind of talk about that internship that these students have because I've seen you ask on Twitter. You'll yeah. be like, hey, looking for people. You know, what does that entail? Do you take care of those interns? Yeah, yeah. It's been my program from, from start to finish. So uh, they're sending me applications. I'm doing the entire hiring process and bringing them in. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll throw this back to you because I feel I've been talking a lot. But uh, you obviously are well prepared. You're trying to do this yourself. You're seeking out your op own opportunity on CISN radio. You're trying to be a go-getter, a self-starter. I was trying to do that myself. And I want to give that opportunity to people that are doing the same thing. There's a lot of places where who you know is very important. Uh, I got really lucky at the Athletic Association that they just, I, for whatever reason, wanted to bring me in. So it is my obligation to kind of pay it forward. Um, so these have been so far kids that I don't have any connection to and they don't have any connection to Iowa State. Or, or to the Athletic Association. They have all been from Iowa State. Uh, and I just want to hire the best person. Just give me the best person to come in with high energy to get as much done as we can for our communications department. I'm sure you know we need a lot of work. <laughs> we got a lot. We got a lot of. We got a lot to work on and a lot to modernize. And um, it has been awesome. Uh, so it has been a summer. It started out as a summer program. Uh, we fortunately found some funding through a former baseball stat keeper to show you how small the world is, um, uh, named Mary Herman. And uh, then we tried it out last spring because I was still in need of some help. We ran it back this summer, added to the team, had three people. I think we're probably going to hold off again until next summer. But it's a summer internship for, co for college undergrads um, to try and just get a full summer working in a sports office on sports information, comms, design, uh, archives, uh, event management, uh, Fun, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you were in yeah. college yeah. again, you yeah. would. Is that? I assume that'd be something you'd be interested. Yeah, and that you know so. that was that was one thing. You know, just seeing those people do that. I mean, that's that's fun, and you yeah. get opportunities like that. And uh, yeah, I just I'd always appreciated just giving other people those opportunities. Yeah, uh, with the association. Um, we'll get down to a couple more things. Uh, this is just stuff that I see all people talk about association yeah. stuff. We'll start with you talked about the Iowa Hall of Pride. That was, uh, that was something at the state of Iowa here downtown mm -hmm. Des Moines. That was something that a lot of people could go in and see that stuff. I know reactions were mixed when that happened. Uh, you know, kind of give me the, you know, if you can, yeah. you know, what led to the decision and what this, uh, you know, Iowa, is it Iowa Archive? Is that what it's named? Uh, Achieve. Achieve. Achieve, Iowa yep. Achieve. So just kind of 
what does this lead into, you know? Because I know a lot of people were like, oh, you have all these physical, these physical relics that these people yeah. have. And now it's just kind of moved to something else. You know, what, what was the decision-making? It was a long and difficult process um, that was sped up by the fact that we had a little bit of turnover and we're already short-staffed down at the Hall of Pride. And there was turnover in leadership both at the Hall of Pride and at the Athletic Association. Um, it was a great state-of-the-art opportunity in a great space. If anybody ever went there down in the lower level of Iowa Event Center at Hy-Vee Hall, so the biggest crowds, as you can imagine, were during state wrestling and basketball. Um, built and built in, uh, The idea started back in the 90s. It opened up in 0405. Um, and then really started to take off. Um, but it was promoted as a high-tech experience. And in 2007, the iPhone came out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the digital screens a few years later needed updating. And there were constant technology needs that sometimes were met and, so and sometimes not. Um, and as we transitioned, as it transitioned leadership a couple of times, and as our office transitioned leadership a couple of times, it was a passion project that ended up becoming you know, a really difficult thing to take care of and keep up and do the right way. Uh, so through strategic planning and a lot of discussions with our board and, and our uh, staff, probably over the course of two or three years, honestly, it was decided, how are we going to do this? What can we turn it into properly to, you know, appropriately honor the space and the idea, uh, but also make use of all those resources that we've spent years collecting. And from an expense standpoint and for the amount of people that were coming in, um, we thought digitizing it and just making it available to everybody as soon as we can yeah. would be the best way to go about doing that. So, um, Well, and COVID probably did not help. You know, that that's correct. Nobody's yes. showing yes. it. I mean, nobody can we, go. Yeah. Uh, it it's a lot of hands-on stuff. It's all in person. Yeah. It's yeah. an in-person experience. And I think those in-person experiences are important, but we're already an event management organization and yeah. we're really not that big of a staff. And it was an even smaller staff down at the Hall of Pride for folks that went down. So they were very passionate about it. The folks that got it started were super passionate. Bernie Sagao and Jack Lazier. If folks have been in Iowa for more than 20 or 30 years, they know those names. Um, but then it became our project and it was just a lot. Um, and so trying to turn it into a digital platform that can go the last couple years, we're talking less than 10,000 people visiting in the entire year. Yeah. Our website can reach hundreds of thousands of people in a matter of days, um, especially at peak times. So um, we're in the process of moving videos over, records over, a lot of things that you know would have been really difficult to update at the Hall of Pride you know, where you had to log into yeah. a computer from back in 2004 and try and uh, get some of that software updated and updated and updated, we can now just go in and with the click of a mouse, you know, update some of those, some of those data points. It's not a physical space. It's not the same. Um, but it is preserving that. And we're really optimistic that we can grow the student programming side of it. And then also our halls of fame and some of the data that we have there. Um, if anybody's played around with the video archives, I mean, there are hundreds of interviews Absolutely. down at the hall of pride that we can now put in your hands in monitors that work hopefully. So, I mean, th that's the biggest thing. When do we, is it open to the public? Is this Iowa achieve achieve it? Yeah, it's, yeah it's, so it is on our website. Okay. It is active. You can go check it out now. Um, we've digitized a lot of archives and, and records there and we're going to keep, and plenty more in the hopper i promise so we got a lot of irons in the fire so the stuff there are some things like personal things that people probably yes. gave 
Do you give those back or are those property of the association? It's a great question. So I was actually down making boxes and I had interns <laughs> helping me label jerseys and bats and oh, shoes imagine. and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to get those back to the donors. And then if the donors, uh, you know, decline or are not available or we can't reach them, I think the member schools are, are really that next step for us. So, cool. yeah. Uh We'll take a break because I know Dave likes to put in our breaks. So we're going to take a break, <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in like 30 seconds, and we'll get to some more uh, stuff here with uh, Chris Cuellar. The Central Iowa Sports Network is your home for year-round coverage of high school athletics in the CIML, providing coverage year-round and always streaming for free on YouTube. Subscribe to CISN TV on YouTube to stay up to date on upcoming events. Like and follow on Facebook and Twitter at CISN TV for even more local sports content. CISN TV, the home for live local sports. All right, welcome back from our quick little break there on CISN Radio. Blake Walker, Chris Cuellar here with you uh, on the radio network on this podcast. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, your Twitter, Chris. Uh, this is my <laughs> favorite. This is my favorite thing to look at because uh, as someone that's a communications person with the association, I feel like all complaints go to you. So I'm starting this a uh, couple weeks – not a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago uh, – the boys state track if you remember as you remember probably it was delayed heavily like a couple like what do you call the events to get a state or qualifier events were yes. delayed because of weather and uh someone put a video out of a storm coming through Sioux City or whatever and it was that giant cloud of dust and you put something at the top and you're like hey you know darn we missed this game you know all these complaints do you handle that complaint side i mean like you know what what does it I, I, does it get tiring? You know, like these parents uh, and, you know, thinking, you know, I can tell the forecast. I, why are you doing this? Yes. You know, is I do people tell you how to do your job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that just is that what this is? Uh, yes. Um, and I, I'm going to talk from it, it's all a point of privilege because I work for the Athletic Association. Mm -hmm. I am not out at that district track meet as an AD or a coach trying to answer a bunch of angry parents and grandparents. And there are the folks handling it in person. I handle it in person at the state meet, but that's <laughs> a different thing. Um, these are difficult calls to make. And uh, social media and email and our connectivity has made it incredibly easy for everybody to think that they have a microphone that they should use. You are well aware of this. And, uh, you know, maybe sometimes, what if I told you they shouldn't? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that was a night specifically uh, that because of state's tra uh, tracks, state meet qualifying system, there were races and meets in different parts of the state that thought that Northwest Iowa was delaying to seek an advantage. And there were calls that we got, not from parents, but from ADs and coaches who thought that that area of the state was sandbagging it. And not only was it disappointing, but those are, you monitor Twitter closely. Everybody has a take, whether it's mom and dad or the kid or it, but, but they are, they are stakeholders for the event, but they are not, necessarily our membership right uh when our own membership starts to really turn on it it just made it really challenging to not say anything i'm not gonna you could get i would 
ask you if that was the right way to handle I, it, I would say probably passive aggressively, not really. But uh, <laughs> it just it was a turning point for me because we were getting those complaints in the office as I was in the office. We were getting calls and emails, and um, I just attitude reflects leadership. And when ads and coaches this is not this is not to smack anybody verbally, but when ads and coaches start to show their displeasure with the authority, parents and kids think they can do it too. I I mean I've always that night that was a big one because it was literally almost a great show coming yes. through Sioux City. <laughs> yes, it was. But even just <laughs> you hear people the thirty minute lightning rule. That's yes. not even really. I mean, that was that's just a safety thing. And yes. I know athletes want to compete. And I know the conspiracy theorists, you know, oh, you guys are pushing this back so you can get extra time. But especially in Iowa, you know, think about all the weather delays, mm-hmm. all this. I mean, you guys don't control winter delays when it comes to snow. and No, but we are not God. Yeah, I know. I know, I know despite what a lot school, of people think. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you, you – at the end of the day, it's a safety thing for yes. these kids. Um, and I know that was important, and I know, you know – they'll find any sort of advantage. <laughs> my, my, uh, my, my backtracking will be that I was also the tennis administrator this spring. So I dealt with it in my own sport on the days of. I was too busy to tweet, which is good. Um, but I, I was dealing with those kind of complaints from hosts and participants and concerns about heat and wind and rain and whether we should go indoors. And so I was dealing with that up front. And those are challenges, but, but we can get through that. Then when it was a few days later at one of my coworkers' events that then he's getting publicly second-guessed, I just, defense, you know, Papa Bear triggered, and so, you know, I just got a little But it had to make you feel good when you delayed, and then you see that, and you're like, hey, we made the right call. Yeah, you definitely, uh, yeah, you just want people to be safe, and and then having very visible evidence of that, yeah, yeah, made it a little easier to justify delaying a single high school track meet one night, so, yeah. Um, Next one I wanted to talk about was uh, officiating, officiating, and not, we're not talking about officials being officials, (laughs) that's a whole other day for another conversation. Officials' numbers are down in the state of Iowa. and Coming back. They're coming back Coming up. back. That's yeah. good. Uh, I'm starting to see younger officials, yes. which is amazing, and they're posting these pictures. Uh, you know what? The association, you guys put out like a commercial even. I think we even been played the commercial here on the Central Iowa Sports Network of needing officials. Mm-hmm. You know what? What can be done to help get these official numbers higher, even though they're going up? The most – Common and popular point is the right point, which is treating people well. Um, that, that is something that anybody can do, anybody can control um, from the stands. And that's a youth sports event, that's an eighth grade game, that's a varsity game, that's a college game. But if we're running people off before they even get to the varsity or college levels, we're only going to hurt our own numbers. And when you hurt your own numbers, you lose games. Because I, I know it makes news every time we have varsity games canceled. Oh, yeah. um, you know, baseball has been a frequent discussion point for that because it has the most games. Um, and, you know, when somebody's down an umpire or a game has to get postponed, it becomes news. But the only reason it becomes news is when it hits the varsity level. So how often is that happening for freshmen and eighth graders? And they're losing those opportunities oh, yeah. to play just because there aren't enough officials out there. Um, the positive thing is that the numbers are back up um, and people are reporting a little bit better positive treatment. I think we've had more proactive ADs and school administrators getting on top of this. There's a lot of initiatives now for positive sportsmanship, positive student section, having parents realize that this is a 
youth sports and educational sporting event, <laughs> and it is a place to learn, and that includes officials who are human. Uh, you know, Blake, you cover you cover a lot of high school sports. Mm. Do players make mistakes? Yeah. Do coaches make mistakes? Yeah, all over. Officials are going to make mistakes yeah, too. It's all over. <laughs> and they're all human, and they're they're really trying their best. And I promise they are not getting paid that much to take no. the harassment no. out there. So, uh, we're really fortunate. We've got some great men and women across the state that have taken it up in the last couple of years. So numbers really are coming back up from uh, that post-COVID dip. Um, and we saw fewer cancellations this summer, um, which is great. But uh, we're still needing to push away for, for fall, for, for football. Um, and the wintertime is going to be tough because basketball is going to have shot clock for the first time. But um, the best thing we can do to encourage officials is to just stay positive. I mean, root, when you go to a game, root for your own team. Yeah. Um, and keep it po- understand that it's an educational experience and, th- and that they're out there to learn. You talked about shot clock. We'll go right to that. Uh, you guys make the decision to start a shot clock. Yeah. Uh, you know, what led into that besides five, <laughs> ten, whatever years of a team holding the ball and us seeing the videos on social media and being sure. like, we need a shot clock. Sure, you know, what, sure. What led into that? Organizationally, um, NFHS, w- we were among a number of states who were – I wouldn't call it public pressure, but membership interest. Uh, when enough of your member schools say this is something we'd like, then it's something that you take forward. And so uh, we're fortunate we've had a few of our administrators on the national rules committees. Um, and the National Federation is the one who said, yes, you may have a shot clock. No, you may not have a shot clock. Um, national Federation said sc- states can adopt a shot clock. So they did not mandate it nationwide. Most of the states around us still will not have a shot clock starting this winter. So I know this sounds crazy, but Iowa is going to be a front runner here. Um, so uh, we will have a shot clock starting this year. It is mandated. Um, we're still working through, hopefully not punitive measures, but we're still working through what it might look like if schools don't have them up and ready to go. Uh, as you know, in your own homes, technology is tough to come by right now. So if places haven't ordered and installed them, it's going to be tough it's to do be before yeah. December. Um, but yeah, so so it was years of discussion, and then it finally broke through, and they allowed for state adoption, and, and so we decided our our board was very interested in that. Our staff was open to it, and, and it moved forward, so here we go. Do you think it's something that will stick around? I mean, I, it's so hard to predict, but do you think it's something that we might see, you know, for a long – it's like three-point line. Three-point yeah. line came in, blah, blah, blah. Three-point line's cheap to lay yeah, down. Yeah, I was going to say, but it's like, you know, do we see a future where – this works for three years, and then they're like, we're just not seeing anything. Or maybe it's – we're not scoring as much. I don't know. Just sure. Is that something that you guys would evaluate? Again, I, pressure from schools. Absolutely will evaluate it. Um, I, I think that's something the, – the cutting it off thing, I think, is not something that even folks have talked about. No. Simply because of the expense. So a lot of times when NFHS makes even, like, jersey mandates, uh, updates to uniforms going to have this color on this color, they give states three, four years to implement it. We're definitely going to give that lead time – um, if only because it's such a big expense That's to our true. schools uh, to install it and put it in. So it's going to get it. It's going to get a chance. Yeah. Uh, the biggest changes I see are probably the timing. Um, as NFHS currently has the rule set, the high school clock is 35 seconds, and an offensive rebound is a full reset. So I don't know that we're going to see a huge scoring bump. Uh, it'll definitely change the ends of quarters and halves and games, which is what people want. Um, and you know the biggest. I guess, positive point that coaches made on the behalf of the shot clocks was that it was going to reward defense for good effort. And I, and I can see that point too, and so the shot clock will do that. But what do you think? I, I mean, I think, unfortunately, I think it makes the bad teams, or the teams that don't have as much experience worse mm-hmm. because, you know, they go down court and they just 
you know, they hold the ball and they're trying to pass and they're trying to find something. And then you see that clock up there and that extra bit and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get this shot up. I think it might slow some teams down mm-hmm. or it might speed some teams up. Uh, I've, so many people are like, oh, these Des Moines, these Des Moines, like Roosevelt East, everything, they're going to, they're fast schools. They're going to like, they're going to love this. Um, I do, like I, like you said, I do worry about the smaller schools or just schools in general that can't get it up mm-hmm. if it doesn't work. Uh, I guarantee you're going to get added by someone on Twitter or social media this winter and be like, we lost a game because the shot clock wasn't right. Yes. You know, it's, it's just yes. bound to happen. Yes. And that's, that's, or it wasn't to, reset. Yeah. Or and it, it's yeah. going to happen. And you know, with video and everything and social media, it's going to go everywhere. And then we're going to be like, well, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. When really, you know, we've had clock errors with hundred <laughs> percent. I've, I've cut broadcast a game. With and clock when that errors. happens, make sure you tweet at me at my handle. I was going to say G H S A U. Okay. <laughs> <That is good. laughs> but you know, it's just like, it's one of those things. And you talk about colors as a broadcaster. We need to make some changes on these yes, colors. Yeah, I, yeah. The, the Jersey, it's, ca- it's coming down the line. I, I promise. Yeah. The Jersey yeah. numbers are, you know, we do the, and Dave even shaking his head. The Jersey numbers, you're like, they show up to state tournaments. You're like, how am I supposed to see that jersey number? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to clear my conscience here and without throwing anybody under the bus, and I'm going to say that uh, our administrators have led the charge on this at the national level, really? like against black on black with a very thin white outline mm. or white on white with a you – know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just really slow to take hold. Yeah. So you'll, you're actually going to – the change is in the works for football, and I believe it will be coming for basketball as well. So we've, we've pushed hard on that. You guys just came out a couple months ago talking about the boys' rankings and how seating and stuff will work. For basketball. Yeah, yeah. for basketball. Uh, no more coaches. It's all, you know, kind of you guys yeah. <laughs> take over. Uh, what led to that? Because I know, I mean, f- seating and then you talk about rankings. Rankings is a whole other thing, yeah. how skewed the AP is and the blah, blah, blah. But what made you decide, let's just put it in, let's do it ourselves? So... This is like the Hall of Pride question. I, I need. <laughs> it's like 20 years of history with uh, how the playoff system adapted, what the seeding process was yep. like when the assignments came out. And what it's come down to the last couple of years is coaches and programs really want to wait as long as possible to get their assignments and their brackets out. That is something that the girls' union has done extremely well because they are able to do it themselves. Yep. Um, we have had to give ourselves lead time, not just to book officials, but um, to provide time for seating meetings or to determine whatever the pairings might be. Um, when we started rolling back the clock or the, the, the calendar and you flip the page and you go, uh, how much time do we have here? We had to eliminate something. And so we had gotten to the place the last few years, and, and I'll count myself fortunate because I've been in the room, um, that we felt like we've gotten pretty good at how we set up the actual districts and substates themselves. There are always going to be complaints about who's paired with who. But when you get in the room, we felt like we'd done a pretty good job ahead of the coaches' seating meetings at determining who was going to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in any given setup. Uh, and then when we got the state tournament, you know, it's wide open. they got to play everybody anyway. Um, so add in that uh, the advisory committee felt like, you know, we'd improved on that. They felt like the seating meetings had gotten a little more perfunctory. Um, some of the hosting questions were taken out of the way, and the thing they wanted most was more time, more time for regular season games to count, more time to not – they didn't want to know for four weeks who they were going to play. Um, and 
allowing us to do that and manage that. I mean, it's a responsibility we're taking very seriously. We'll have some news out in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, about uh, what rankings might look like to lead up to those seedings and those assignments. Um, but uh, we're excited about it. We think we can do a nice job, and hopefully we can do right by you know basketball by putting its trust in us and, and, and trying to get it right. You talk about hosting. You put a thing out on social media. I, it might have been just a s- joke or just a, you know, hey, what would you like to see? You asked, you know, what sites do you want to see host yeah, absolutely. these type of games? Did you guys take some of those things and just kind of yes. yeah? I mean, yes, because there are hidden gems in the state of Iowa and places to play basketball. So again, boring athletic association policy, but we have a host a postseason host availability form for schools to fill out. Uh, we always have. Sometimes schools update it, sometimes they don't. You know, maybe people overlook it, but we don't know what we don't know. So we don't know if a place doesn't if if someone doesn't put that information, and we don't know that somebody has fifteen hundred seats and a brand new floor and the best popcorn going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that that's a great sales pitch and. Uh, so even getting some of those ideas thrown out there about, hey, give us a game, or you haven't had a substate game here in eight to ten years, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's, again, someone's always going to say you, you missed us or, or that it was in the wrong spot, but we do the best we can, and, uh, you know, as long as people are w- able and willing to host, we'll try and take it to as many places as we can. Uh, What's your favorite gym? Favorite gym? Uh, <laughs> I love Marshalltowns. Yeah, Marshall oh, the Roundhouse is great. Is great. Yes. Roundhouse is great. Um there's a couple. Yeah, I'd say probably the round. Yeah, okay, round that's a good pick. Great. Yeah. Um and I'm from Grinnell, so it's like right there. Sure. Um so f- we'll move to football real quick. Uh RPI's been a big talk the last couple mm-hmm. years. Uh playoff teams yeah. have loved it. If you didn't get in the playoffs and you're 6 and 4, you're like, "Oh my gosh, I hate the RPI." Yes. Um and we change every 2 years. This is the last year of our 2-year schedule. Correct. Uh you know why why do we see so much change in, you know, the football playoff landscape? Mm-hmm. I know COVID, everybody got a chance, and what a wild year that was. That, that you're was, telling me. That was wild. <laughs> but from a fan side, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Everybody gets a chance. I, I Did you like the I, All In? I, I liked All In because and the, it made it worth it if you were top 16, then you get your playoff banner. Because you get some schools, they win their round of 32 game, and they're like, we're in the playoffs. It's like, I, no. I only had a couple of people ask if they could get put in the record book with, uh, <laughs> yeah, as a playoff, playoff appearance. <laughs> but And I think that was nice. And the you know the buys and how all this stuff is set up and mm-hmm. eight players, so many schools. But, you know, do, do, do we see change after mm-hmm. this year? Of a, again, with schedules. You know, you guys grouped up 5A. And I know that was probably tough mm-hmm. now that we're five sc- – or we're – how many classes? Seven classes. Seven now? classes of football. So yeah. you know what? Is it going to just have to keep changing? Is there no way we're going to be able to have a consistent? You could change your schedule every single year. Blah blah blah. Yes, uh, there changes changes unstoppable. Um, and with football, knowing that it's only every two years, they figure out that the advisory committee, the football coaches association, our office figures out what works and what doesn't, and that is why you see constant change. Uh, the demographic change has a lot to do with our seven class setup and the group setup that you see in, in 5A, the specialty scheduling. Now other classes have seen that, and they may want to adopt it or they may not want to adopt it. They may want to go back to district format. They may not want to do that. Um, scheduling is varied. Now we have small schools playing eight regular season games and having a longer yep. playoff and big schools playing nine regular season games and have a shorter playoff. What are we going to hear about that? I, and I, and, and I'm, that's an honest question. We might have ADs say – 
oh, we made a ton of money off that ninth regular season game. We got to keep the schedule or the flip side, right? Yeah. Um, so we're just constantly asking those questions. We're getting feedback from our membership on what might work, what doesn't. And I think football is just one of those things that it just has never been stagnant. N- not, not since we started the playoffs in 1972 has it like stayed the same for more than three, four years at a time. So um, I would anticipate more changes. I don't think as big of changes, um, but yeah, it, it, it's just, it's always ripe for a little bit of policy tweak here and there. So last year, I, it's happened a couple times, but we saw a couple Thursday night games mm-hmm. uh, on the eastern side of Iowa because they switch Illinois and Iowa. Uh, could we ever see Thursday night high school football games across the state of Iowa? You think? Good question. Um, I I wonder if college sports might force the hand if that's the case. Yes. Um, yes. You know, there was a lot of discussion in the lead up prior to 2020 uh, with when Iowa and the Big Ten were talking Played about playing Minnesota more Friday night. nights. Yep. Yeah, and so that was that was an issue. Um, if that increased because of this college realignment, that could be something that we have to discuss, but ho- hopefully not. I mean, Iowans take high school sports seriously. Uh, it is the front porch to every community. Uh, without a professional sports team here, Iowa, Iowa State, UNI, Drake, any of your small colleges, those are your pro sports teams. And then your high school team is your local team to root for. That is your club. So uh, people still turn out. Um, and I, I, we view that as a solid thing for yeah. us. We were talking about venues. Uh, we'll stick on football for one more thing. Mm-hmm. Iowa City High is going to play Iowa City Liberty at Kinnick Stadium. How cool. Which is unbelievable. Yeah. First time since 1972 that Iowa will host, uh, you know, Kinnick will host yeah. a high school football game. Were you guys involved in any of that? No. Or was it just Iowa City High, Iowa City Liberty came together and said, hey, University of Iowa, can we play? Yeah, those schools use their connections. Um, very cool for those kids. It's going to be a great experience. Um, we're probably going to send a couple of staffers over say, there to scout it out and it's see gonna what be, happens. We, I, I almost want to tell Pete, I'm like, we got to send somebody down there. Like, yeah. It'll just be such a monumental moment. Yeah, I, I do think it'll be very cool. We're, we're interested to see maybe how many fans they can fit in there, what it looks like in that setting, too. Um, but uh, So I, you're saying Unidome could be... <laughs> that is not what I'm saying, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> We but might be at Kinnick in a couple. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to play at Kinnick <laughs> Stadium in, in November. <laughs> in, uh, right before Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. I totally understand. Um, uh, neither does Nebraska, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Feel the dreams. This is yeah. uh, another hot topic that I've tweeted about. Literally tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and last year you did talk about that. Uh, I guess I understand mm-hmm. why we can't be there. Is there a future where we could be? You know, they're gonna they're thinking about building this whole facility around there. The Cedar Rapids Colonels are gonna play there. So this is interesting that you're bringing this up time wise because as we're recording, it is all Wednesday, August 10th. They play tomorrow on the afternoon of Tuesday, August 9th. They announced that they were building a permanent 3,000-seat facility in that space. Um, We are very happy with our current arrangements in both Iowa City and Carroll, but we're also – you know, interested in what else might be on the table at all times, yeah. as as yeah. any renter yeah. would be. We don't we don't own any facility that we participate in, so um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. We're going to follow it like anybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like it's a few years away, regardless. Um, so we're comfortable where we're at, and we'll see what the pro- the progress is like um, uh, on those smaller venues. Um, I I I feel you asked the question. I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't directly address why we don't play the entire tournament yes, at Field they of sh- Dreams. They should know, yeah. and, and they're, I mean, one is scheduling. Uh, they don't, you know, our tournament requires 
a significant quantity of games in a very short period of time. And our tournament just so happens to fall two or three weeks before that Field of Dreams game. Uh, we do not uh, believe at this time Major League Baseball wants us to play 14 yeah. or 28 baseball games yeah. on their field before a national broadcast. Um, and then other significant challenges, if anybody was out there last year, most of the setup for the game itself was temporary. Yep. Uh, so there are not permanent facilities. We're talking bathrooms, concessions, seating out there for folks to just play game after game. So um, it sounds like an awesome idea, and we totally agree and understand, but yeah. it's just not realistic. Well, and, and Dyersville, you know, it's not like there's a couple close yeah. cities, but it's also way and out of the way. Um, and hotel availability oh, is yeah. a challenge yeah. as well. The uh, – you know, you're back to Iowa City, Carroll. That was that was a huge, you know, kind of out of nowhere. It felt out of nowhere sure. for people that were in the media that, you know, going these two separate places. You got two years under your belt now. Mm -hmm. What have you guys learned from it? Did you learn? I felt like you learned a lot at Carroll, especially from last year. You okay. Uh, were you at Carroll? No, I never okay. went to Carroll. Just, I mean, I talking with people. Sure. Um, did you go to Iowa City? Yes, okay. I did go. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those things – are you happy with what's worked yes. out the last yes. couple of years? Uh, both places have been excellent to work with. Carol puts on a community event, I think, currently unlike we have in any of our other sports. Um, if you get to go to Carol, they want you there. They're <laughs> excited about you being there. They're putting on a first-class show. The food is awesome and affordable. <laughs> uh, they've got an awning that provides shade for almost every single game. Uh it is a raucous atmosphere. We were really fortunate that uh, Kemper advanced. They were oh the eight gosh. seed in two A, but that, Mater Kemper, but, was but that Kemper Van Mater game had an atmosphere unlike. I mean, we, we had board members saying this is that kid hit that home run, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to be there so bad. <laughs> they know? said it was the craziest atmosphere they'd seen for a high school sporting event, yeah. and th why would we? Why would we abandon yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, and they love having us, and we love being there. Uh, Iowa City. You know, they really came in and helped us out at a big school situation that I think everybody thinks is just easy to place them to play anywhere, and it is not. Um, they've come in and helped us out. The folks that we work with at the University of Iowa have bent over backwards, working across multiple departments of a very thick bureaucracy yeah. um, to make it happen. Uh, and with the new schedule, I think we're able to accommodate more folks, uh, both parking-wise and crowd-wise, and the university likes having them there. We like being there. Uh, it's a Big Ten facility. I, I know that it's not Principal Park. I'm fully aware of that. Um, but they really made a lot of improvements from year one to year two even. And so we're excited to see what that, that looks like going forward. Um, I know there was some talk about us having to be booted out of there in short order. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we feel pretty good that we'll probably be back there next year. And they're going to upgrade, aren't they? Our yeah, exactly. Iowa, yeah. Banks Field's gonna the upgrade reason anymore. we would be out for a year is because they're interested in trying to do upgrades and renovations, yeah. um, but it's just a matter of when those occur. Um, but but at this time, um, I you know, we're planning to run it back at Dwayne Banks. And the good thing is, across Iowa, there's a lot of good fields. Cedar yes. Rapids has good fields. Um, and for people that don't know, you guys left Des Moines simply because the Iowa Cubs schedule just could not work is yeah that with major league baseball scheduling taking over minor league baseball yep scheduling, that was the big one. um the idea that we could ask for a oh, block <laughs> of eight yeah. seven or eight days from a schedule years in advance uh we just wouldn't know we wouldn't know what our schedule would be um there was an offer with 
much more limited dates and availability uh, for Principal Park, and we wanted to go to a place where we could provide a real estate yeah. tournament experience. Um, they've they've been great to work with. They they've got a great front office that uh, enjoys having us. But um, you know, th this setup has felt like high school baseball the last couple of years, and and we're really enjoying it. So you guys are there till you just signed for twenty twenty five. I thought so I said, it was at a, least this next. was the first year of a three year arrangement okay, yeah. with both Carroll and Iowa City. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Um, what else was I gonna? Uh, we'll move on from that stuff. Uh, well, so one last question. So this year, baseball and softball were on the same exact week. Yes. A lot of people. I of if you were a fan of a team mm -hmm. that unfor unfortunately fortunately got to both, yeah. you couldn't go. Uh. Had, that hadn't happened in the past. I don't no, think. and that is that because of that week that we take off at the end of July. So the addition of Family Week was a new thing last year. All four activity organizations in Iowa approved it and implemented it to provide a non-contact period, and we're calling it Family Week, basically a week off for everybody involved. It, it was supposed to be a positive thing. Everybody, everything has critics, right? <laughs> Uh, year one, because of the scheduling, we allowed state baseball to be exempt, only state baseball, with the idea that, you know, we weren't going to move the tournaments on short notice. And so softball was still in its current spot, and we were there. Uh, politely, uh, we adjusted our schedule because of the week. Uh, softball did not. So that is why we ran into both being on the same week. I, I think so we shortened our we didn't shorten the season we bumped up the start by a week which interfered with state track and then that moved up the state tournament by a week so neither move was super popular right over the top softball did not adjust its season and I think there is a possibility of adjusting I mean just by watching the girls you know 1a 2a 3a get pretty much almost a week and a half to prepare yeah um, our attendance was yeah. up which is and that was I felt like that, that was, was awesome. worth noting. Yeah, I know. No, that, I, I know again. No, that, I agree. Uh, that was the big. The attendance was a big. How thing. is it going to hurt <laughs> those two things being on the same week? And the answer was it didn't. Well, and streaming obviously was a big thing for everybody, mm -hmm. and the streaming got better this year. So thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that was that was that was one of the things that a lot of people noticed. Um, and so. Uh, staying, you talked about staying modern at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> you, I, uh, one of my friends, Cade, he is obviously coming to work for you. Uh, Cade Nissen, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, all right. And, yeah. um, you know, you talk about that social media presence just a little sure. bit and trying to keep up. Is, do you guys, is there anything you strive for on that side to, you know, modernize just a little bit? And Cade brings in these highlights and all this, the stuff that's, you know, relevant, you know? Yeah. What, was that a big step for you guys just to kind of be like, we're going to move to a... Well, Cade has been a big step yes, because yeah. he has a unique... For anybody that hasn't seen his videos and highlights and, um, you know, edited clips, uh, he is a phenomenal videographer who brings... He's got a unique perspective anyway. Um, so have it, having him work with us is a huge benefit. Um, and we just think it really adds to the highlights and the media coverage of the event itself. He's doing something that, you know, TV folks just don't have time to do with their daily coverage. So um, that, that's been a huge positive. Um, he's just, he's an, he's a part of that process and that progress. Um, you know, I, I, I'm on the inside, so, it, you know, it's, I, I'm going to be biased in this. I think we've made strides. Um, but as we move things more digital, whether it's, policy manuals or sheets that people are used to viewing and old PDFs or, or anything that we're putting out communications wise, uh, 
video is a piece of that. It, you guys, <laughs> CISN knows that better than anybody. Yeah. Video is a piece of that. And so if we're not considering that, that we're missing out. Um, the fact is we don't have uh, our own TV rights for championship events. Uh, those have been sold to the Iowa High School Sports Network. So what is a way that we can work under that agreement to enhance what the Iowa High School Athletic Association brings to its own state championships? And that's one great way that we've found. I hope you agree. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and I, it has. And I, when you guys hired him, I was like, "That's great! Like yeah. that is that is the step that you have to take on a social media side." And you know, I can be biased because you know I run social media for Bound and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But and that's just you know, you see that these kids love that stuff, yeah, and they love getting their name out there and whatnot. But it was just something, you know. You're get, you guys have gotten better. I will thanks, say thanks. That. I, I appreciate that. Say. Yeah, look at this. Um, uh, <laughs> Let's talk money just a little bit. Sure. I know that's kind of crazy. No. But, um, you know, with after COVID, would you say that a lot of schools have recovered or, you know, are schools still kind of struggling? With well, that's a complicated question. Uh, I, I'd let the schools answer for themselves. Yeah. I think there was an influx of uh, relief dollars that helped to artificially bolster for a little while what was happening. So there was a dip immediately post-COVID. We've got our own little kind of recession going on here. Um, but there was a boost in finances that kind of kept things afloat. And now people are trying to figure out, okay, where are we actually at and what's working? Is it starting to cost more to run games? Are you guys seeing that trend, even just for normal high schools? Um Yes, if only because everything has gotten more expensive. Everything. I mean, from 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 your game officials to the construction in your end zone to the video board to the camera equipment to the clock to everything's everything is increased in price. So so it's gone up. Um, you've seen that in ticket prices. A lot of schools have had to increase their ticket prices and are struggling to find concession workers or ticket takers or things like that. And so that's those are discussions that we have all the time. Um, and, you know, it's a challenge for those regular season events. But um, fortunately, it seems like folks have been able to manage to this point. The association last couple of years have made big decisions when it comes to these kids and how – when it comes to college, a high school athlete and a college athlete. I think back to 2020, the whole Arlen Bruce situation, sure. you know, how that worked out and did he get granted. NIL is becoming so big, mm -hmm. and these kids are getting paid lots of money. Has it worried you guys at all at the association, or do you kind of keep tabs on some of this stuff just to be like, oh, my gosh, one of our – five-star athletes in the state of Iowa is getting paid $15 million. Sure. So, you know, and what, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, just, I don't just yeah. kind of one of those things like are, we're changing, we're ever evolving yes. with this NIL stuff. And I, I don't know. I just had, does it concern you guys or do you guys keep an eye on it that it's something that you guys would address maybe later on down the line? So, yes. So actually we have NIL guidance, which is a very specific word for a reason, uh, coming out here in the next couple of weeks, just recently approved by our board. Um, we have to follow state law like everyone else yeah. who operates. We are not a governmental organization. And right now, Iowa state law does not preclude uh, athletes from collecting NIL dollars. Just like we couldn't prevent someone before from getting paid $20 an hour to actually not work at a car wash right down the street, right? So the athletic association's place and realistic uh, enforcement in those things is at this point guidance. And so we'll have a little bit out there. Obviously, 
we're like we're human too. We're like everybody else. We're trying to figure out this landscape as yeah. it as it develops. Yeah. Um, and so you know something will probably we talked about football changing every year. This is probably something that's probably going to yeah. change every year, and we're going to have to stay up on it. But uh, we think at this point, guidance is something that we can put out there. General guidance, both for the athletes and for the schools themselves, um, to protect themselves, and you know try and make sure that they're also following NCAA rules uh, as they're going about that process. The We talked transfers just a little bit uh, there with Arlen Bruce, and transfers I feel like have picked up in the last couple of years. You yep. know, you want to go play high school for bigger schools. Bed numbers. Bed sure. numbers are huge with the association. You guys released them just a couple of months ago mm-hmm. or whatever. I guess kind of explain that process, the bed numbers process, and – the classes ever changing. Sure. You know, what led to another class in football and what led to I know it's not all yeah. the same, but for the boys we usually have four, three, two, one. Five A is the first I think this is the first five A. Football five yes. A is the first five A that we've created here in the For the boys. Yeah, for the yep. boys. We're start we're adding schools. It feels like Walkie Northwest mm-hmm. might get another Walkie school, might get another Ankeny school, might get another Cedar Rapids school. First, explain bed numbers. Explain what does bed even mean? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that beforehand. We're like, is that just a <laughs> basic educational document survey? Uh, it is the numbers from 9, 10, and 11th grade enrolled in your school for the up from last year, and then we apply it to the upcoming school year. So theoretically, three grades worth of kids. So if you multiply, you know, if you do that plus 25%, uh, that's about what the full enrollment of the high school is. I'm going to give you a very boring answer. That's fine. Classifications used from BEDS numbers are Iowa Administrative Code. It is not up to, at this time, it is not up to the Athletic Association or the Girls Union to come up with a manipulator or multiplier or anything like that. Uh, So where you see the tweaking in classifications this many schools in this class, adding a class of football, maybe we add a class here. That's basically what we can control. Um, so those additions have taken place based on the quantity of schools and the quantity of participants statewide. And what we think, right or wrong, is uh, equitable for those sports and you know provides a competitive postseason and state championship. Every sport but football gets to pick its own schedule, gets to pick its own conferences, gets to pick whoever they play. Um, so football is the only one that we still have a grasp on, and that's why I think you just see that constant evolution and, and, and change. Um, I, yeah, I, I would say if you see anything in the future, it'll, it'll be even more tweaking. Um, I, the big schools are getting bigger. And yeah. I, unfortunately, the small schools are getting smaller. You know, where I went to high school, we were a 3A almost on the cusp of 4A. And we've they're going to be two A, you know, in, yes. in literally just a year. So, changing conferences even, mm-hmm. and that's another thing we see these conferences changing so much. Another one of your great tweets: yes. CIML is dead. Yes. that was a great <laughs> Thank tweet. Thank you. Uh, now it I covered the CIML yeah, really that hard, is true. and I, it, when I was at the register, and I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for it as a conference. I'm not even a native Central Iowa guy. I'm an Eastern yeah. Iowa guy, but I. I love it. I love the people. I love the characters. I love the stories. Let's so. talk about conferences real quick. Yeah. So Iowa Alliance, yes. you know, creates their own yes. conference. Basically said, ah, we don't want, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. Uh, you know, we see a conference changing all over. My alumni, Grinnell, they're going to Womack. Mm-hmm. Waverly Shellrock got kicked out of their conference. It's you know, I, I can't comment on that. Well, that's, that's <laughs> yes, we'll we'll stay that out. But you know, just the the ever changing. 
is this becoming the normal? You know, are we just seeing? Are we going to see more conferences? Are we going to see bigger conferences start merging together? Are we the next college? Th that's a great is, question. Is the SEC. The, the sky is not falling. Blake. I was going to say the sky is not falling. What uh, is going on here? No, I just think we're seeing there's a shift in suburbia and urban areas and demographics in especially central Iowa, so that we're seeing those schools find different needs. I can field four levels of an eighth grade football team. This team who's in my conference can barely field the varsity team. Yep. Okay, how are we going to manage that? Well, we need to find conference opponents who can fit our needs. And so, I mean, if that means that you see a six-team super conference, uh, you know, a few years from now they're, where they're just playing each other 15 times, it's possible. Um, but I, I think the reason you're seeing so much shifting is we've got some suburban areas. And, and to name names, to, to, you know, put it to it, uh, DCG is now going to be up in 4A and under our four-class system. It does not seem like they're ever going to go back to 3A yep. uh, based on their enrollment. Nor Bondurant. Norwalk is probably yep. close. I'm from, I live in Bondurant. It's growing. Uh, I, not quite to that level, no, but no. yeah, but it's coming. Um, and so those schools have played in conferences that suited their needs for a very long time, and tradition matters and rivalry matters. And th those are important things, but sometimes – Kind of like the Hall of Pride. Yeah. You have to examine what your place is at that point I, in time. And I've said it for the last couple of years. I'm like, the Little Hawkeye Conference will be It'll be gone. a very different yeah. – I don't, I, I don't think it'll be gone, but it will be back to I, – I'm, I And here's why I won't name names, but <laughs> I, I think it's going to – I think it'll look very different yes. five years from now yeah. than it currently does. Yeah. yeah. And that's – you know, and when it comes to conferences, there's no – you guys still work with ADs and whatnot. Is there – is there a person designated for every conference, or is it just this is this group? So of each conference is technically supposed to have a representative. Yes. So we could do a survey of the co or a meeting of the conferences, and there'd be forty something people in our in our office. Wow. Um, but uh, that is not a regular occurrence. Yes. Um, but yeah, they're they're supposed to have reps, and then depending on the size of the conference and the need of the conference, some places have one person do all the officials assigning, some places have one person do scheduling, uh, and then other conferences, CIML as an example, uh, will have a different person take on a different sport or a different level because there's that many moving parts. We're a live streaming company. Yeah. That's that's our big thing. Uh, just a couple questions just about live streaming. It's been it's gotten bigger, so much bigger in the last five years. A hundred percent. Uh, three hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Obviously, I love it, but it it branches out for so many people to watch. A lot of people. The biggest complaint I see is the postseason stuff. Mm -hmm. You know that people have to. These schools have to pay for sure. the postseason. Kind of explain that. That have the, has pricing gone up? I feel like pricing, pricing has, went down. Our pricing did would go down, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. you know what? You know what leads? I get it's a rights thing, but sure. just kind of explain that a little bit about when it comes to the live stream. This is school live streaming. Doesn't count for uh, CI Center. The sports sure. Network. So oh, so you're saying yeah. So like when a school wants to live, mm -hmm. say like Grinnell wants to live stream a home game. Sure. At a postseason home game. Sure. You have to pay the rights. Just like CISN yes, would or yes, Chris yes. Quayar TV Network. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. The understanding is we cannot accommodate a one-size-fits-all policy for all schools with different technological capabilities and sales abilities. So I might have an AD whose only ability is to set up an iPad and hope grandma doesn't yell at him. And I might have another AD who, because his school board invested in technology, has a six-camera unit at a 1A high school. And there are, that does exist. Yeah. 
uh, and they can sell sponsorships and advertising just like any other media company could. So when it comes to video access and determining who can come in and who cannot, this is a little bit like media credentialing for a state yeah. tournament event. I can't be that arbiter for every single game. Yeah. So we have to have a one-size-fits-all policy at an expense that the, – the rent is always too damn high, Blake. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But yeah. um, <laughs> host schools are getting back 50% of what anybody's paying. Uh, which I think some schools know and some schools don't. Some schools have taken advantage of that because they know, oh, I can just pay the fee myself. I'm going to get 50% of it back, and I can sell five times the advertising for that game than whatever. But we we have to be objective about what the standard is to get them through the door so that not every person is standing at the top saying that they're a camera person and setting up a tripod and saying that they're a media company and just throwing it up. So it gives us some clearance for both video access and those postseason rights. It gives ADs some clearance for understanding who the heck is coming in the door. And it gives the consumers an understanding of who is the trusted person that I know this broadcast is legit from, yeah. which we know is a huge issue now too. Oh my gosh. But if CISN says we are broadcasting Valley versus Dowling Catholic state football quarterfinals, people know it's legit and they're going to turn it on. Well, and I, can only, I didn't even think I can only imagine – you know, that credential thing, uh, you know, the social media, you guys have had to change your page, like saying, hey, if you're a social media brand under this category or whatever, you know, we can't grant you credentials. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine how difficult it is to, you know, newspapers and whatnot. Yes. I, I feel like, yes. I don't know, I just feel like I get even girls union events. You just go to it and you're like, you got all these these poor ladies that work at this desk that have to go through the credentials. They're like, <laughs> who do you work for? Like, what is that? Yes. You know, is that... Is that becoming more of a thing that you're noticing? Like, it's uh, it's just something to stay up on. I wouldn't even I wouldn't say that it, it's not something I've ever lost sleep over. As a former reporter, I try to be objective about who should be in the door covering their school, and it's not for me to determine quality. Uh, the toughest request I get, Blake, is the dad who's been photographing the team all season long and he's got a $4,000 camera and don't you see the photos and I own a professional photography business and why don't you let me in? And that is not the standard. And will you credentialed this 16-year-old girl who says she's working for the yearbook Yearbook. with a digital camera? Which it says down there about the yearbook. But she's working for the yearbook. She is serving a media purpose. So those are tough conversations. Uh, And and especially, you know, there are a lot of people who try to do it uh, for one tournament or one year or two years at a time, and, and, and I understand that, and I, I don't want to take away from their business, but we need to see a consistent record of coverage and ensure that they've got the best interest of everybody involved and that you know we're providing a safe environment for all of our student-athletes and everybody else that's down on the floor. So uh, consistency matters. Uh, Outlets matter, schools matter, and we're, we're trying to get more and more students from those schools. We've expanded that dramatically over the last couple of years, too. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, I guess a couple mini questions as we wrap it up because I've kept you here for more than an hour. We've <laughs> gone on and on. Um, if you're still listening, kudos. Thank you, yes. Uh, you said you put together the programs. Do you have a favorite program cover you put together? So that's really funny. I do not do the covers. Is the only thing I don't, don't do. do I don't do covers and ads. Uh, I do everything. So you else. put everything so else on the inside. Yes. That's, so it's amazing. Thank I, you. The thank you. As a broadcaster. Yeah. Uh, you almost don't even have to pull up anything else in the archives and everything else. Great. Um. The no, that's great. Expanding soccer was really important. Uh, basketball. A couple of years ago, when I had more time, uh, I felt like we put together a really good product in like uh, 2019, 2020. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know, and I guess that's kind of a. 
I, I watching athletes is fun. When we get a couple good athletes, mm-hmm. like big athletes that come in, like basketball this year, will be absolutely insane in yes. Class Five A. Does that get you guys excited? Like you guys, oh, are like, yeah. like you yeah, guys are like, course. we got national attention. Like Walkie Walkie Northwest is almost ESPN like TV this yes. year, and it's like that is awesome. And Bowen Born, and we had the you know we had those really good players that you're like, this is what. This is awesome. This well, gives I, us yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, we're we're still around. I didn't know it. if we're you guys were just the straight up businessman. We're gonna do this. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna no. run a state basketball tournament. No, you know? we're fans too. I mean, like when you've got kids going for four timers at wrestling oh. and or undefeated marks or tearing through I, any kind of sport. I mean, that's why we do what we do. I love it. We still love it. Yeah. yeah. The uh, I guess last question. You know, what's ahead? You know, what's ahead for? Uh, you, um, you have one kid, one kid. Yeah. You have a Husky. Yes. Yes, Uh, Thank you. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. You know, what's ahead for you? What's ahead for the association? What are you guys looking to improve on and whatnot going forward? Uh, achieve is really kind of the the focus right now. Um, and then figuring out a better way to highlight our schools and programs through regular season and maybe non-athletic competition. Um, not to position ourselves as something that we're not, um, but we currently offer activity things that we, we don't promote as well as we do our championships that we think are as important as our championships. Uh, we're a presenting organization for the Iowa Association of Student Councils. Okay, that serves as many kids as our athletics programs do. T- 10% of our kids are going to get to a state championship. So if the only place they see me is where you see me is at a state tournament, that we're missing the mark. Um, so... If we, as we grow Achieve, as we grow some of those student services, as we highlight maybe some regular season events, some good sportsmanship that's happening across the state, try to get more officials out there for sub-varsity and junior high sports, that's where we can really make our mark. Um, you know, there's always work to be done at state championships. How can we prove the fan experience? How can we make the chicken dance, you know, a little bit quieter? Uh, how can we make the popcorn better? There's all that kind of stuff, but um, I, I think that we need – we are thinking about and and need to try and maximize on on what we're doing off the field a little bit as well so hopefully achieve can help us do that um i i want to you know on a completely selfish level as a sports information guy i want to get achieve in our in our, all of our archives and as much as we can off the ground and rock solid steady um you know before we dive into new things but um i, th- I think we're getting there we're making progress hopefully folks see that and you seem to be just trying stuff new. I mean, yeah. literally today, the replica trophies, the yeah. replica uh, association trophies, really cool. The girls' union does it. Yes. Um, but just the small things, you yes. know, is that, you know, that's just your guys' plan. Just keep kind of knocking it out. Yes. But keep hammering the rock. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, you know, hopefully people will notice, uh, you know, we, we, we can't toot our own horn too much, but uh, we still have – over 80,000 participants a year. We're still drawing in maybe the biggest wrestling crowd of any tournament in the country. Uh, there's still tons of passion for a lot of our marquee events. There's still growth in other sports like bowling and soccer. There's a lot to be optimistic about. I mean, if you just check my Twitter mentions and only see the sassy stuff, you're missing out, Blake. Are, are we getting <laughs> a new sport anytime soon? Good question. Cross country uh, or not cross country? Uh, lacrosse? No. So 15% of schools need to participate for us to consider yeah. it happening. Uh, I don't think we're getting a new sport urgently. Uh, I don't know. What's out there? That would be. The discussion points are frequently esports and boys oh. volleyball. Yep. I would think 
if you've seen what other sports do with unified activities, I think that is something that will probably get a closer examination in the next couple well, of years as well. You know, Grandview. Grandview is mm-hmm. the top boys volleyball team in the yeah. country, so that brings a lot. But yeah, I just those know, are things that get they get well, turned. yeah, and they they slowly roll the ball. How long has girls been doing wrestling and just yeah. slowly working its yeah. way and now officially sanctioned? So. Um, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we've got to stay positive here, yeah. even, even despite the passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, personal stuff, uh, you know, you're, you're 33. You're yes. still quite young. Um, you know, what's... I'm what's quite young. How old are you? I'm 21. <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> I, 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 what did uh, I say earlier? Didn't I say, well, he's not that young. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all over the place. You know, what's next for you? Obviously, you're, you're grounded here. You look like you're having a good time. You're yeah. enjoying what you're doing. Um, you said you don't live in Boone. You live. I live in Bondurant. Bondurant. So, yeah, oh, I, yeah Bondurant. I drive up, drive up uh, every single day. So, but I mean, yeah, what's ahead for you? Anything personal? No, family, man, family. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got the little one. Uh, my wife is progressing in her career, so it's fun to see her succeed there as well. Um, try to support her as much as I'm available. I do disappear during state tournaments. Yeah. That's that's a tough part of the gig, but yeah. that's the way it goes. Um, so, yeah, no, we're, we're just trying to make it work and, and uh, try to make our places better. You so. said you're an avid pie eater. Are you trying to get pie lately <laughs> or anything? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got another strawberry rhubarb on my birthday, which was last there month, so I was excited about that. And then I had a banana cream a couple of weeks after that that my kid also ate with me, so that was a lot of fun. You going to try any at the state fair? Or you just Absolutely. I'm a, <laughs> do you, I, I'm a big state fair guy. Yeah, Are you a state yeah. fair guy? Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's we wouldn't fun. get along if you don't like the state oh, fair. Oh, no. I, I, I enjoy the food. I usually try to go every other year okay. because I'm one of those guys that's like, eh, it changes a little bit. Sure. But uh, if the weather's nice this year, which Good. should be. Yeah. Uh, should I, be I, I go to pig out. I got to see the same stuff over and over again. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess final thing before we wrap up, we got 16 days until uh, football kicks off. Yes. You know, what's what do you guys have to do? Is there anything you have to do to prepare here before we get going? So it is a little goofy because a lot of times those first few weeks of practice, it ends up being just more phone calls. We don't have to be out and about. There's not games taking place. There's not officials to evaluate. There's nothing like that. Um, but we get questions about eligibility or concussion courses or, or some of those things that we oversee, the minutiae that you know folks <laughs> don't have to worry about when they show up on Fridays. Um, so we're kind of focusing on that. I'm hammering out some archive stuff, but no, I, I you know we'll figure out what our promotion looks like for for the state tournaments th- themselves once we get there uh, in the fall. Um, but we're just excited for Football Friday. Yeah, yeah kind of monitor those yeah. trends and get our fun. RPI machine up and chugging. So perfect. Yeah, perfect. Give me something to talk about. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, give me something to talk about. Um, well, Chris, we appreciate you coming in. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us and. Uh, Keep doing great stuff. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate all the questions, and uh, well done on the research. So uh, I'll be happily back if you are uh, that prepared every time, Blake. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks. Chris. All right, once again, thanks to Chris Cuellar for coming in and chatting with us here. Uh, We don't usually do, like, many recaps afterwards, but had to talk about what's upcoming. Obviously, we've done Des Moines Madness games all summer long. We did softball. We did baseball. Uh, A lot of different – fun stuff uh, that we were able to put together, which was awesome. Uh, we did state softball tournament. That was really neat. Uh, but we're moving on to the fall, which will be really, really fun. We're doing football every Friday night up until the playoffs. plan is to do three games uh, in the Metro. Uh, that is the plan every Friday night. So that's currently what we're going to stick with. We'll do volleyball in and out. I know myself and Randy, one of our producers, we we're kind of trying to figure out who's going to be good, trying to plan out for our volleyball season. 
Uh, going to be a lot of great sports around here across the CIML and whatnot. Uh, and then, yeah, before you know it, we'll be in Iowa City for state volleyball. So it's going to be a quick turnaround. Kickoff is in, uh, when we're recording this, 16 days. When it comes out, it'll be less than 16 days, and it will be probably almost 10 days up till kickoff. So we're excited to get uh, on everyone's screens. Make sure to check us out on CISN.com or CISN on YouTube, or you can just type in Central Iowa Sports Network. Uh, yeah, once again, thanks to Chris for coming in. Great insight. It's going to be a great podcast. I hope a lot of people uh, listen up. Uh, so you've been listening to CISN Radio, a production of CISN.TV. Um, obviously, we cover all sports around here. The Metro also cover Des Moines Menace games. Uh, CISN Radio was produced by our producer, uh, Dave Mabel, who's sitting here right next to me. Uh, Peter Tarpey is our executive producer. I'm Blake Walker. Again, thanks to Chris Cuellar for coming in, and uh, we appreciate his time. We appreciate you, the listener, for listening, and uh, we hope to see you guys next time uh, here on the CISN Radio Network.